Oh, hello, hello. Welcome again back to Dan from Dan's Fish live stream here for the uh, dancefish.com $1,000 giveaway. So um, what we're doing is we're going to give away uh, giveaway number nine. So there have been eight winners up to this point. Each winner has received $100. And tonight is number eight, and tomorrow will be, or tonight is number nine, tomorrow will be number 10, and then we'll be done this giveaway contest. Hey, Tilapia Store, welcome. Carter, Brent, Craig, Suzy Q, Robert, everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad you're here. Suzy Q, lucky number nine. We'll see. We'll see, right? <laughs> yep. Anyone here from Vegas? Just curious. You might have some, some tips for us, right? Scout Town, welcome. Thomas, welcome. Glad you're here, Thomas. Um, let's see here. So I think what we'll do, Preston, hello, hello, hello. Um, we'll just just wait another just minute or so as people pile in so we get a little crowd going so it's a little more exciting that way. Then I'll pick the winner. And then, like always, we'll, we'll chat a little bit after that and uh, see where the night takes us. So... Eric Sullivan, hello, crossing everything. Everything, Eric, that could get painful. <laughs> Tilapia store, tonight's my night. Could be, Beto, strange for me. Hello, <laughs> Beto, strange for me. Hmm, Beto. Well, I don't know what that means, but it sounds kind of cool. All right. Craig Francis, let's show Dan a little love and hit that like. Oh, Craig, thank you for that love. <laughs> Michael, hey, Dan, you should draw my name. I need some of those gobies, <laughs> right? Thirsty Rabbit, hi, Dan, hi, all. Are you doing a bit of Q&A today? Yeah, so um, Thirsty Rabbit, here's what I've been doing during the contest, and I'll do it tonight, too, is uh, in just a minute or so, we'll, we'll draw winner number nine. There's only two left. <laughs> it's almost done. Um, and we'll do that. We'll get that out of the way because I'm not one of those people that want to force people to watch half an hour, an hour of a live stream um, just to see if they won, if they're not into it. You know, people are busy. They have families. They have lives. They have stuff they want to do. So um, so we'll draw right at the top here. And then after that, we'll just uh, we'll chat for a little while. We'll do Q&A um, or if anyone has, you know, anything they want to discuss uh, fish wise, we'll bring that up. And we'll just kind of go until the chat peters out or until it's been, a uh, you know, until it's like 3 a.m. and we're all exhausted. Um, so, yeah. Hang on just one, one second. My daughter has a question. Yeah. Sure. All right. So um, let's see here. See what else I missed here. And then we'll get to announcing the winner. Um, let's see here. Vince, I haven't seen the last six winners. Are they posted somewhere? Yeah, they're all on Facebook. And then all the um, winners have been drawn live here on, on different live streams. I think we started, when did we pick the first one? I can't remember, maybe Monday. <clears throat> and so um, you can watch all the live streams. They're on the, this channel of the winners being drawn or they're on the uh, Dance Fish Facebook page as well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But for those that would like to know who has won so far, let me pull that up. So our winners in the order in which uh, they won are Dolores Miranda, Johnny Cruz, Craig Wiggins, Justin Lapp, 
Moses Mosqueda, Francis Cardi, Garrett Davidson, and then last night, the winner was Nathan Horrell. So those are the winners so far. Um, and here's what they did to, to win. Some subscribed to the monthly newsletter. Some created an account at Dance Fish and got 10 bucks free credit for doing that. And then some uh, like the Facebook page. So those are the things so far that have been the uh, winning action for these folks. Yeah. Um, let's see here. And, and I did have a little trouble. I was posting the winners on Facebook. Um, and then I would link the YouTube video. And for some reason, they kept getting blocked. So I didn't realize that was happening until I think yesterday. So I did a, a single post catching everyone up to what was going on on Facebook. If they hadn't been following on YouTube, it could have been a little confusing. But I'm wondering if Facebook isn't liking me telling people, hey, check out the YouTube channel to see who won. <laughs> I think that might have not gone over well and they maybe blocked those messages. So, yeah. All right. Um, where are we at? Doug's Fish Adventure. What's up, Dan? Well, what's up, Doug? Hangar 77. Hello, everyone. Hello, right back. Thirsty Rabbit. Yep. Um, all right. So I'm going to draw the winner here and then um, the rest of us geeks that want to chat for a little while, we can. And uh, I want to talk about what I think the schedule will be too. I think I think I know what I want to do live stream wise uh, on a kind of a perpetual basis, at least for the near future. And so I'll, I'll talk about that. I, I'm going to have some questions for you guys about what works, um, but I think I know what to do. All right. So winner number nine coming up. Oh, by the way, if you don't know what this contest is or this giveaway is or anything, if you just go to dancefish.com on the home page, um, there's information about it. So uh, if you just click over dancefish.com, then it should all be pretty self-explanatory. Um, but if you have questions, feel free to contact me via chat here, um, via Facebook message, or um, you can email me anytime, dan at dancefish.com um, if you're wondering about the uh, the giveaway. Last one's tomorrow. Tonight is the pan ultimate. I've been waiting for that. That's a fun word to say. Pan ultimate winner. And that winner will be, let me just draw one winner instead of two. And it's processing. Okay, we have a winner. Let me scroll down. Kelly Bryson. Kelly Bryson from Birmingham, Alabama. Um, one for subscribing to the YouTube channel. So Kelly, you might even be here in that case in the chat, which would be awesome because so far I don't think we've had anyone in the chat go like, oh my God, I won, which would be a great thing to happen, right? That'd be fun. But Kelly Bryson, congratulations. You have won $100 of free fish from dancefish.com. It's good for any aquarium fish that we sell, um, at dancefish.com. And, um, I will be checking after this to make sure that you're all set up and emailing you if you're not, if we need to do anything to, to get that into your account for you. But congratulations, Kelly. That's pretty awesome. All right. Um, let's see. What did I miss? Doug, I'm sitting around a campfire. Oh, that sounds awesome. Man, I wish I was there with you. A fire, a guitar. Yeah, that sounds awesome. 
Craig Francis, hey, if I order 10 Odessa barbs Tuesday, what day do you ship the following Monday? Yeah, I generally only ship on Monday. Um, I am going to make a small exception this week for someone, but that's because they're here in Wyoming, so it's not going to be much of an issue getting them the fish. But here's the reason why. Um, I want to make sure that the fish don't have anything left in their digestive tract before I ship them, because otherwise they'll poop in the bag and then automatically you have, you know, a machine for making ammonia. You get ammonia burn and all kinds of problems um, in the bag. So I fast the fish for two days before I send them. So I do that over the weekend. Um, my last feeding is on Friday. And so they don't eat on Saturday or Sunday if they're being shipped. So, so then I ship Monday. What happens though is if, let's say I did that and then I ship the fish Monday and then someone else ordered through the website and was like, hey, I want some too. And they wanted them to go out on like, I don't know, Wednesday. Then I would have to fish again, have to fast the fish again for an additional two days. And so after a little while, the fish would start getting really skinny. They wouldn't get enough food. So in order to manage that, um, I just routinely ship on Mondays. So I only have to fast the fish once a week for, for those two days. Um, and that way I can uh, continually offer them for sale feed them really well the rest of the week. I feed live, I feed frozen, I feed pellets, I feed flakes. They get they get a lot of food and, and often several times a day as well. Um, but that's the reason. So that's why it's only Monday. And I stick to that. Again, I, I'm making an exception this week for someone simply because they're in Wyoming. So I can make that happen. But, um, but I, I'm sticking to that. I, I'm not going to ship a fish with a full stomach. I'm not going to ship a fish that's fed recently because that just immediately adds uh, magnitudes of danger to the process for them. And they're not going to do nearly as well. Yeah. For example, I had some, I had two packages delayed this week. Um, one made it just fine. One didn't. And the one that made it just fine didn't arrive till Friday. And so the fish were in there an extra two, three days, um, three days. And if I hadn't fasted them before I shipped them, there's no way they would have made it alive um, because there would have been an ammonia source in the bag. So um, the box that didn't make it, um, that was probably a temperature issue more than a toxicity in the water issue. Yeah. So hopefully that answers that question. Um, if not, um, ask more. But yeah, I always ship the following on Mondays. I always ship Mondays. OG's Fish Room. Good evening. Well, good evening, OG's. Welcome. Glad you're here. Thomas, I want to say thank you for being awesome through the whole experience. It could have been a lot more stressful. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry it was your box, Thomas, but I will resend to you Monday. I've already, I'm already prepping the fish for you, and I'll send you some extras to try to, to, try to just thank you for being so awesome during the whole process. Um, and it was a bummer week. It was a bummer week, honestly. This wasn't a, this wasn't a, a fun week to be a fish hobbyist who mails fish. Um, but it generally is. So, so thank you, Thomas, really, for being understanding of the process. <clears throat> and I'm sorry you had that experience. I'm sorry that was your, your first experience getting a box from me. But the next one will we'll be fine. Um, Aquafunk with Angel Freak. Aquafunk with Angel Freak. Yeah, I like it. I like it. He got four... He forgot to say angel freak. 
He forgot to say Angel Freak. He forgot to say Angel Freak. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, say it now. Angel Freak, Angel Freak, Angel Freak. How's that? Did that, did that make up? <laughs> All right. Thirsty Rabbit. Jealous around campfire. Yeah, I want to be around a campfire too. Um, so they didn't have a problem with me sharing from YouTube on my page. Yeah, and I've never had a problem before either. Um, but what would happen was this. I would press post. I would make the post and I'd press post or publish. In the instant I did that, balloons would go up, right? Because I said congrats or congratulations in the post. And then immediately after, a message would pop up for, for like half a second they would say, um, this post is under review or something like that. So <laughs> some of them made it through just fine, though. If you go to the Facebook page, it's the exact same verbiage, just a, a different name and a different number of winner. And those went through. But so I don't know. I don't know what's what's up with Facebook right now. And maybe it's not that. Maybe it's something completely different that I just don't know about. But Yeah. Tilapia store, congrats. Yes, congrats to Kelly. Hey, everyone, says Dank Tanks. Hey, Dank, and I love that that username, Dank Tanks. Yeah, it's too bad it's taken because that's awesome. Um, all right, a lot of people congratulating Kelly for winning. Absolutely. Um, Thomas, I'm not feeling fantastic, so I'm going to call tonight. Okay, thank you for coming, Thomas. Have a good, have a good night. Francis, okay, that's what I thought. Yep. Doug, so I really like the black pearl killifish. Anything on keeping those? Yeah. Um, so those, like if we're talking about nigropinus or something like that, um, those are Uruguay, Argentina. So it's a fairly temperate climate. Um, I spent quite a bit of time in Argentina, and there were times when there would be snow dusting the ground. Um, around the areas where, where the black pearl killifish were. So, but then in the summer, it can get pretty hot. So they're pretty hardy fish because they've had to deal with that. Um, they can take a wide range of temperatures. In general, though, I wouldn't keep them too hot. Mid seventies would, would be great. Um, if you keep them hot, they burn out super fast. Uh, their metabolism just, just, just clicks into high gear and they don't seem to do as well. So I think the biggest hint with them is, um, is don't keep the pearl killies too warm. They spend a, a lot of their life in, in fairly, fairly cool habitats. So that's one thing, um, to breed them, which I assume you're trying to do. Um, it's basically, uh, for me, it was a bare bottom tank with a sponge filter. Um, and then some plants in there, some java moss, some water sprite, something like that. Enough that there's cover because the males will constantly want to drive the females and you want to keep, um, keep some cover in there so that she can get away. Okay. Um, so yeah, so that's what I would do. A small tank's fine. Two and a half, five gallons. Um, and usually the danger you're going to run into mostly with them is the males constantly driving the females. So my advice would be to keep the males and females separate and then put them in when you see the females are all plump with eggs, put them in with the male in the breeding container and 
leave them there for a little while until you notice she's, you know, doesn't have a bunch of eggs anymore, maybe a couple days, and then remove her and do the process again. I've often seen if you leave the females with the male, males, and this is true of a lot of annual killifish, and this is when we're keeping um, just pairs together, one male, one female. If you keep lots of males with, or lots of females with a male, you don't have this problem so much, like a, a harem type uh, situation. Um, or if, if you have several males and several females, you don't have this problem as much. But anytime you just have a pair, then the male can drive the female so much that she just gets really skinny and wears out real quick. So that's my main advice, temperature and uh, just, just taking good care of the females and making sure she's, uh, she has a recovery time. And when she's with the male, she has a place where she can uh, get away and there's visual barriers, you know, clumps of plants, things like that. Or if you don't like plants, you can use spawning mops too. Um, not for spawning, but, but so the female has a place to hide. Yeah, so that's, those are kind of my general thoughts on like uh, the, the nigropinus species um, or, or any of the astrolebia species really. Yeah. Um, Aquatic Jack, hit the like button. Yes, please do. Um, Doug's Fish Adventure, easy to breed the black pearl. Yeah, they are. They're tough. They're hardy. They're easy to breed. And, and the fry grows so fast. Um, they eat a ton. By the way, that's another thing. Both the parents and the fry, they have such a short life cycle that they eat a ton. So I would also feed several times a day, if at all possible. Um, and you might be able to get them to eat pellets and flakes, but they're generally going to, uh, eat much better on frozen or live foods. Um, something meaty. Yeah. All right. Michael ever kept threadfin rainbows, any breeding tips? Yes, I have. In fact, I ordered them when I got, uh, this batch of fish, but they were, they were zeroed. So they shorted me on those. But how do you say that? Erythrania werneri, something like that. The genus name is, is it's a really funky genus name. Erythrania, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, they're awesome. And I've bred them and I, they're a fish that I love. And what I love about them is when you see two males sparring or a male displaying for the female and they, they those long fins, they spread them out and then they flick them like a hummingbird. And it looks like a hummingbird. And it's, it's one of the, most beautiful sights in the natural world, I think. They're an amazing fish. Um, how I bred them and how I tend to prefer to breed rainbow fish is not pairs or anything, but in large groups. So um, my breeding colony was, oh, probably 50, 60 fish. Um, they were in a 55 gallon tank. It was a bare tank with a matten filter up one side. Um, and I don't think I had any floating plants in there or anything. I had some Java moss on the bottom, um, just a little clump of Java moss down there. And I fed them a variety. So I'd feed them newly hatched brine shrimp. I would feed them micro worms. They like small live food. Um, and then I would supplement that with, uh, they would eat frozen brine shrimp as well. And then uh, flake foods and very small pellets. <clears throat> the key with them, one key with them I found is they're very quick to get picky in their eating. So very quickly, they'll be like, hey, I just like, I like live brine shrimp and I like microworms and I don't want this other stuff. So um, managing that was one of the tricks. So 
every now and then I'd have to uh, force them to remember to eat flake food and pellet food <laughs> because they need the vitamins and things that are in those foods. Um, but just a floating mop. So create a spawning mop. Uh, a nice thick one is good. And in that tank, that mop was probably about 12, 15 inches long. So it didn't quite hit the bottom. It was a few inches off the bottom, which is nice because then you don't get gunk from the bottom up in the spawning mop. Um, and they would fill that thing with eggs regularly. So every few days I would uh, take it out. And there were two ways I would do it. I would either remove the eggs and incubate them separately, or I would just take the whole mop and put it in a, a hatching container um, and do it that way, which prevented me from having to pick all the eggs, which saves some time if you, if you can do that. Now, the eggs are really small and the fry are super tiny. So um, I raise those fry just like I raise my uh, Wapoga red laser fry. So there's a whole video on keeping and breeding the Wapoga red laser rainbow fish. So if you look at that video, there's a whole section on, on how I incubate the eggs and how I handle the fry. And it's the same thing with the uh, Erythrania warneri, the thread fin rainbows or feather fin rainbows. The difference is um, I don't start feeding them, say, microworms or baby brine shrimp quite as quickly just because they're so small. So it's mostly golden pearl uh, powder, basically, 5 to 50 microns. So if you go to Ken's Fish, you can order a package of golden pearls, um, 5 to 50 microns. And that's the basis of what I feed really small surface dwelling fry, the ones that will take prepared foods anyway, like rainbow fish. Um, you can supplement that with, uh, say, uh, algae powders. So you can buy, I, I forget what the name of the algae is, but there's a red algae powder and a green algae powder. And so um, you can use the golden pearls and occasionally maybe, maybe supplement that with some of those fine algae powders. And that's how I did it. Um, one thing about those fry is I raised them in with a batch of tiger shrimp. Uh, I think it was a Neocaridina species. It might be Caridina. I can't remember, but it's basically like a cherry shrimp, but um, same size, same build, just a different color pattern, more or less. And those little babies, once they were, oh, a couple weeks old, they would eat those newly hatched tiger shrimp like nothing else. They love hunting them down and eating them. And that surprised me. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. They had to be a couple few weeks old to do that. But once they were big enough, that was their favorite activity in the world, uh, stocking these little tiny tiger shrimp babies and, and, and picking them off one by one. Yeah. Um, so Michael, if you have any specific questions about the thread fins that I didn't answer. Um, oh, temperatures mid to high. 70s uh, is where I kept them. Um, and I kept the water really clean. Yeah. But if you have any specific questions, something I didn't answer about them, uh, ask away. And if I can, I will answer it. Thirsty Rabbit, have you got any tips for leveling a metal fish rack? Ooh, I'm packing the six points. I'm packing the six points it hits the floor, but really having trouble each time I pack it changes everything. I guess I have to be patient. Thirsty, I wish I could help you. I've almost exclusively used uh, wooden racks or wooden racks with uh, cinder blocks. Um, I don't have experience. I mean, I've seen fish rooms with metal racks, but I, I've never used them. And 
I've been in pet stores that had them, but we never had to move them or they were already level. I never had to adjust them. So um, I'm not the person to help you with that. I'm sorry. I wish I could. If anyone else in the chat um, can help Thirsty Rabbit, uh, please chime in because I'm sorry, but I, I can't. I don't have that expertise. Lumpy Dog in the house. Well, welcome, Lumpy Dog to the house. Aquarium Connection. Hello, everyone. Hello, Aquarium Connection. Welcome. Welcome to the chat. Thirsty Rabbit. And how close to the middle lines the bubble must be on the water sprite? How close to the middle lines the bubble must be on the water sprite? Thirsty Rabbit, I'm not quite sure what you're asking there. So um, I don't know if autocorrect got you or something, but I'm not quite what you, sure what you mean with the water sprite in the lines and the bubbles. So maybe if you could clarify a bit, then I might be able to help you out. Um, Doug's Fish Adventure. My friend wants to know what's average cost to ship fish like to Tennessee. Um, so Doug, I just have a, a set cost. I charge everyone 45 bucks for next day shipping, whether they are in my state or all the way in Florida or Maine or California. Um, and by charging that flat rate, I don't have to charge people in Florida or Maine $60 and someone um, in Colorado, you know, 20. That flattens it all out and makes it affordable for everybody. So from me, it's 45 bucks no matter what. And that's for one fish or for 300 fish. It's just a flat rate um, anytime you get fish from me. So that's how I do that. So to Tennessee, it'd be 45 bucks. Um, all right, Dank and Lumpy having a tea party. Carter Bing, how can I lower my pH with in, without increasing the hardness? Well, um, do you, did you mean increasing the hardness or decreasing? In order to lower your pH, you almost always have to decrease the hardness, so less hardness to lower pH. Um, Carter, I... I would say that unless you're going to invest in an RO unit or maybe an RODI, so reverse osmosis unit or reverse osmosis um, deionizing unit, um, that I would not try anything drastic to lower my pH because that's how we get, get parameter yo-yos. Um, so you'll lower the pH and then it'll bounce right back up and then you'll lower it and then it'll bounce right back up. And after a while, that'll really, really harm the fish. Um, the only way to sustainably lower the pH is to also, in my opinion, lower the hardness because anytime you have high hardness, you're automatically buffering anything you're doing to lower the pH and counteracting that. Okay. Um, so and by hardness, I'm talking about like carbonate hardness, uh, not necessarily total hardness. Total hardness is uh, it's less useful just because it could be anything in the water almost, whereas carbonate hardness is specifically uh, what buffers your water, so alkalinity more or less. Um, so I would say that if you want to lower the pH sustainably, reverse osmosis uh, is the way to go because that removes the hardness. And then you can use lots of things to do it. Um, it however you do it, so some ways to do it are to use uh, different types of acid to do it. Um, 
if you do that, make sure that you do it, you test a tank with no fish or a container with no fish. Like if you get an RO unit, it, great. Put that water in a bucket or in a tank with an air stone or whatever, get your pH down to where you want it and leave it in there for like three days. And then if after three days, it's still at the level you want it, great. Leave it another three days. And after another three days, it's still at the level you want it. Then you can be sure that it's probably gonna stay there. And then it's probably safe to set up an aquarium with that water um, and then create a new batch for when you do your water changes. Um, if you are not going to go the RO unit way, um, well, I guess you could, if it's a small tank or you only have one tank, you could also start with, uh, I almost hate to say this, but you could start with like distilled water, but you're gonna have to uh, doctor that a little bit. Distilled water by itself is not, is not great. Um, in general, in general. So if you're not going that route um, and you're using the water from your tap, which has a high hardness, then what I would do is uh, put a lot of like catapa leaves in there or oak leaves, if you have oak leaves, something like that, and um, not keep very many fish and change the water as infrequently as possible while maintaining quality because that'll give uh, the tannins and the, the different things that are leaking out of those leaves um, a chance to gradually lower the water, uh, the pH of the water, and, and kind of gradually get it down where you want it. And if you're not doing large water changes, then you're not going to be hardening the water a whole lot when you change it. But it's gonna be really difficult to keep the pH down if the water's hard. That's kind of the bottom line. All right. Kyle's Wild World. Carter Bing, try RO water. Okay, yeah. So Kyle's on uh, Kyle's on point with me, I think, with that. Yep. Fishing glass. I have about 62-week-old fry, Erie and rainbows. Awesome. That's great. That is great. Those are beautiful. I love them. That, that kind of wine red on chrome. Like <laughs> those are an awesome fish. Um, so can you tell me about your breeding setup? Uh, did you start with a pair and get these or let me know, let me know what your breeding setup's like. That's awesome. That's very exciting. And did you pick the eggs and stuff? Like, like tell us what you did, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Or, or gal fishing glass. I guess I'm not sure the gender of that user. Um, Michael, thanks for the info. Have a small colony of seven. Hoping to get some results, we'll check out your video. Okay, yeah, hope it works for you. Um, any peacock gudgeon experience, Dan? Yeah, I've kept tons of them. I have I have several right now. Um, they're dancefish.com if you're interested, but I've never bred them. So kept them many times, uh, both personally and in pet stores and stuff. Um, never really set them up for breeding though. And the main thing is, um, I never really had mature ones, so they always sold really quick. And so I never got them to a mature point to where they could breed. So I have a lot of experience keeping them. I found them very easy. I've kept them in super hard water and super soft water. Um, they're peaceful. 
They are one of the Gobi slash Gungeons, Gudgeons, I always want to throw an end in there, that, that you can successfully get to eat flake food and pellet food. Um, the batch I have now, they started eating flake and pellets about a week and a half, two weeks ago. So it's taken a while. Originally, they would only want live and frozen, um, but I've gradually got them used to the, the pellets and flakes. So they're taking that as well now. So in that way, they're nice. There are a lot of guppies, uh, not guppies, gobies and, uh, you know, gudgeon, that kind of, those kinds of fish that, that I've never gotten to the point where I can reliably, uh, where I can get them to eat flake and pellets reliably. Um, so then I have to get vitamins into them another way. But um, yeah, they're peaceful. They're awesome. Um, now, I've never had problems with aggression with them. But again, I've, I, I've never had them long enough for them to get big and mature. So um, I can't speak to um, how they are once they're mature. I would imagine that once they're mature, you need that the males could start, um, could start maybe harassing each other a bit. And you'd want to have plenty of space and plenty of visual barriers. Um, if anyone else has kept mature peacocks, uh, peacock gudgeons, um, feel free to chime in and let Fishing Glass know how aggressive are the males when they're full grown? Because again, I've never kept them at that size. Um, try small furniture sliders to level. Okay, there's a hint that might work out. Um, Carter being decreasing. Oh, okay. So let me go back up to Carter's question, um, which I totally can't find right now. Um, oh, how can I lower my pH without increasing the hardness? So you, you meant decreasing? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I beat that horse to death, I guess. <laughs> Thirsty Rabbit. Dan, thanks on the first question. Sorry about the second typo. Thanks for your time, mate. Oh, no problem. And uh, if you want to re, re-ask the, the question with the typo, feel free. No worries. Uh, William, welcome. Hello. Glad you're here. Um, Lumpy Dog, I love the way you sell quarries and packs on your website. Great idea. Yeah, I I might be changing that because I've had enough people contact me and say, look, I've already got six. I'm just trying to get a couple more. Um, but I did that because I'm trying to ensure that they're kept in groups. So I'm a little hesitant to not do that. So I'm not quite sure where I'm going to land on that. Um, my fear is that if I don't do that, then people that don't know that they need to be kept in groups will just buy them singly. And I'm trying to avoid that. So I don't know. It's something I go back and forth on. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a way to ensure that they're kept with companions, which is what they need, right? Um, two pairs of Erian Reds, says Fishing Glass, left on a mop. Great. Great. Yeah, that's the easiest way to do it. Oh, I have a breeding pair. Male kept eating the eggs. Oh, so your male Erian Red Rainbow was an egg eater? Oh, that's no good. So far, I have not run into a situation where I've had the rainbows uh, devour enough of their eggs that I had to worry about it. And it might be because when I spawn rainbows, I make sure that I use a pretty thick mop. So a lot of the eggs are injected so far into the mop that, that the fish can't get to them. Um, so, so far I haven't had a big problem with rainbows eating eggs, but I know it happens. Yeah. Sorry it's happening to you, but awesome. 60 fry. That's great. 
Okay, thank, thanks. I thought that was cool too, Lumps. Oh, good. Well, then I'm keeping it. <laughs> if Lumpy and Dank like it, then it's staying. That helped me decide. Thanks, gents. Um, or, or gals, again. There I go, being all... No, no, no. Assuming again. Um, fishing glass. Okay, I have a breeding pair. Milk keeps eating eggs. Okay, Doug's Fish Adventure. Well, my phone keeps dying. See you, Dan. Okay, see you, Doug. Have a good one. Thanks for joining in. 54 Punchy. Hey, fishy internet peoples. Hey, fishy. Glad you're here. How's weather in Laramie? I'm curious. Are you guys dying down there or is it warm? It's been pretty warm up here the last couple of days. Um, but man, in Laramie, you guys get that wind. <laughs> Lucky you. All right. Carter, lol. William. Hi, Punchy. Dank. If you can take two more, you can take six more. Yes. Okay. I like it. Yeah. Okay. For now, I'm keeping it. For now, I'm keeping it with the groups. Yep. All right. I might change that if enough people are like, hey, I just need to. I just, you know. But yeah. Um, all right. Fishing glass. No peacock. Oh, the peacock gungeons. Thanks. Thanks. Oh, yeah. I thought you were talking about the uh, Irian Red. So he has two pairs. And the male kept eating the eggs, the peacock gudgeons. Ooh, that's no good because it's hard to incubate them without a male. Um, there is a hack for that. Um, it'd be easier to show in a video. Yeah, I might. Basically, if you're breeding them in a PVC pipe, often with an end cap on it, um, if you remove that pipe, take off the end cap, so it's just a, a pipe with water flow through, Put it in another container or a small aquarium in the same position it was when you took it out of the tank. And then if you take an uplift tube, I just use like another piece of PVC with the airstone in it to create an uplift tube like you would use on a mountain filter. And I put the uh, bottom side of that uplift tube right on one of the sides of the PVC pipe that the gobies laid their eggs in. Uh, and I haven't done it with, with the peacock gudgeons because I haven't bred them, but I do it with gobies and it works. Um, and then basically what happens is as the air is flowing up and through that um, uplift tube, it'll draw air through the breeding or water through the breeding tube um, at enough flow that it keeps them oxygenated and it helps keep debris from settling on them. Um, so that's a hack that might be able to help you if the uh, male doesn't stop eating the eggs after a couple more spawns. Often, from what I hear, they will. I know with gobies, that's, that's often a thing that the first couple spawns, they'll eat them and then they get the hang of it, just like angelfish and you know lots of other fish. All right. It could also be, you know, if they're not fertile, they'll, they'll often eat them as well. Yeah. All right. High five, smiley faces back and forth, lots of greetings. 54 Punchy, I just got three Farawella catfish for my Cool Water 40 breeding breeder. They are so cool. They are. They are. Feed them a lot. They'll eat a lot. <laughs> they will eat a lot of food. Yeah, they are awesome. Um, I like the Royal Farawellas quite a bit. I like regular Farawellas as well, but those Royals with that that upper that dorsal fin that's so long they're they're pretty fantastic yeah 
But um, okay, lumpy gents here. So people saying hi, hi, hi. Fifty-four punches supposed to snow tonight. Well, lucky you. <laughs> yep. All right. Fishing glass. I waited four days and most eggs were gone. Um, with the gungeon, I, I imagine the peacock gun gungeon. So I uh, might try the uplift tube idea. Yeah. Anything you can do to get a, a, a flow over them, but not like something super rapid, super jarring would probably work. Uh, Dink tanks. What's your go-to Cory food? Um, so I feed a variety to all my fish. Um, the Corys get pellets, they get frozen brine shrimp, they get frozen, frozen, <laughs> frozen bloodworms. Um, they'll get a frozen mysis shrimp. They'll get, um, even the adults will eat uh, microworms. If your flow's not too high, the microworms will just settle down to the bottom and even full grown Corys love them. Um, and then I feed a lot of rapashi too. So I feed those as uh, pretty, very regularly. And then I guess if there's a staple, it's rapashi. And the reason is, is it sinks and it's super easy to keep food in front of the quarries if you put in a big chunk of rapashi. So um, maybe if I had a go-to, I'd say it's rapashi, but I definitely supplement it with lots of other kinds of food too. And, uh, and that's, that's actually how I spawn my quarries is when I really want them to go, I'll feed, say, frozen brine shrimp. And then when it's gone, the moment I see it's gone, I'll put in a big chunk of rapashi and they'll eat on that for a while. And then in the evening, I'll feed them, I don't know, live microworms. And then before, and then right after the lights go out or before the lights go out, I'll put in a big chunk of rapashi and they'll chow on that all night long. So, yeah. Um, I think a variety is important, but I think... Uh, they probably eat more rapashi than anything else. And it's just the community blend is what I'm feeding them. 54 Punchy, got rapashi morning wood. Sounds like, yeah, never mind, I won't make that joke. Got rapashi morning wood a few weeks ago and some small plecos, pieces of driftwood to smear it on. Yeah, perfect. That sounds perfect. Um, if you can keep that food in front of them, they'll, they'll rasp on it and love it. And that sounds great. Will clown barbs mix well with tiger barbs in a planted community tank? I've never kept clown barbs. I think so. Um, the clown barbs are very assertive. They're very fast. They don't have as much aggression as a tiger barb, but I think they could hold their own. Um, especially if there's a group of tiger barbs and a group of clown barbs. And something to be aware of with the clown barbs is they're going to get up to four inches on you. So they'll, they'll get a little bigger than your average uh, tiger barb. So just be aware of that. But yeah, I think they'll hold their own just fine. They are quick. They're quick, tough fish. Not really aggressive, but assertive enough that I think you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, however, I guess I should do a caveat that I don't think I know, I don't think I've ever seen a tank with clowns and tigers mixed. And I don't know personally of anyone that, that does that particular mixture. Um, so I haven't seen it tested, but just from observing the, uh, observing clown barbs and tiger barbs, uh, for a long time, I, I think you'll be okay.
If anyone in here has done that combo, clown barbs and tiger barbs, uh, would you, would you uh, chime in and let us know? All right. <clears throat> 54 Punchy. I ordered some Farawella from Rachel O'Leary. O'Leary, good choice. But she can't ship right now. Oh, is it? Is she having some weather issues? Found some in a tiny little pet store here with four tanks, so I snapped them up. Wow, I didn't know there was a store that sold fish in Laramie. <laughs> a, a mom and pop type store. That's awesome. Good. Um, dank. I swear my quarries pick the mices out of the shells. Oh, yeah. Suck them right out. <laughs> um, so I, I feed mine freshwater mices uh, from Canada. Um, and they don't. Oh, I guess they do kind of have it. I don't know if it's a shell. It's kind of a tough skin, I guess. But yeah, they'll suck them right out like a. Yeah. Um, dank. What kind of rapashi? Always mix the community and Soylent Green. Um, it's just the community. Yeah, I think Corydoras tend to like a, a lot of protein. Um, they can eat a lot of meat. And so the community has enough veggies in it that that I personally don't supplement it with Soylent Green. But I do have Soylent Green and I do supplement. I, I do mix it into community food for like, say, swordtails and uh, flagfish and fish that eat a lot of veggies. Yeah, it's a, it's a good mix. Dank tanks and fishing glass. Thumbs up and smileys to you guys as well. You folks as well. There I go presuming again. Man, I gotta stop that. I'm gonna get in trouble. Um, dang, the Soylent Green has the same protein, just from different sources. Oh, I guess I never looked at that comparison. Good to know. Um, good to know. Yeah, because it has like pea protein in it and stuff like that, right? From peas? Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Cool. All right, folks, we've hit the bottom of the chat um, and gone for 45 minutes. So I want to, before we start closing out here, want to uh, congratulate Kelly Bryson again on winning the $100 for today from dancefish.com. We have one more winner. I will announce that in tomorrow's live stream at seven o'clock. Um, and then I'm going to take a break till Wednesday <laughs> because I've done this 10 days in a row and a break sounds awful nice to me. I'm enjoying it. It's great. But um, yeah, a couple days without uh, doing a live stream sounds great. So Wednesday at seven o'clock mountain time is when I'm planning on doing the live streams regularly. Um, I don't think that conflicts with anyone else um, that I know of. And so that's the plan. If anyone knows that like, oh no, uh, this person who has been doing this forever at this time, you know, you know, I don't want to create a problem, but I also at some point just have to pick a time and do it. And <laughs> it's hard to find a time that doesn't conflict with anyone, but, um, 54 punchy will be working. Oh man. Um, so the plan is this coming week, just Wednesday, and then I think the week after that to start regularly doing it, I'm thinking of Monday and Wednesday at, um, at seven o'clock mountain time. I think that'll work. But um, Peter Thiel, hi, Dan. Well, hello, Peter Thiel. Are you, um, are you the Peter Thiel I'm thinking about? Either way, welcome. Glad you're here. Um, so that's the plan. Monday and Wednesday is the best times that I've thought of for now. Um, and that's how, that's how we're going. No, I'm the poor Peter Thiel. <laughs> All right. That's what I would say too, if I was the, the other Peter Thiel. 
<laughs> no, I welcome whoever you are. Um, anyone is welcome. Even billionaires are welcome. Yeah. So welcome, Peter. Um, you're getting here just as we're wrapping up. Sorry to tell you about that, but we will be again Wednesday, seven o'clock mountain time. Um, is when we'll do this kind of regularly. And then the last winner will be announced tomorrow, Sunday, at seven o'clock Mountain Time as well. Um, <laughs> anyone's welcome. And then Dank Tank says, as long as they super chat. Yeah. I don't even know if I have super chat set up. I've got, a, I've got two super chats in my life and uh, I've never really bothered to make sure it's set up every time. So that might be something to look into. Thanks for reminding me of that, Dank. Every, every dollar counts. Peter's limo is here. He's out of here. <laughs> All right. William. Oh, Lumpy was William's hundredth sub. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Okay. Good night, everybody. Tomorrow we'll announce uh, the last winner, winner number 10. And for, and then we'll also see you uh, Wednesday at seven o'clock. Thanks for stopping by. I appreciate it. And have a good night.